and Joyce on Radio Broccoli. Hello and welcome to Broccoli News, the show which for the last 10 years has brought you updates on what's happening in and around the hospital. I'm Alan Joyce and coming up today we hear from Geraldine Gower from the Disability Foundation on how the charity has adapted since the coronavirus pandemic. We also look back to 2015 when the long-term TDF therapist David Godfrey came in to give us his Therapy of the Month. We also look back to 2014 when we attended a bike ride in aid of the Ellis Harriet Clark Foundation, supported by the Skeletal Cancer Trust. Plus, we've got music coming up, especially for Radio Broccoli, from Rose Ford. This is Hospital Radio Broccoli, London's longest-running hospital radio station, and officially the Hospital Radio Station of the Year for 2020. a tough year for everyone in and around the RNOH, including all of its associated charities. Now, one of those charities is the Disability Foundation, who, like so many of us, have had to suspend their regular services back in March. However, they are back with an exciting new service. And with me to tell us all about it is Geraldine Gower, who is the Community Outreach Officer for TDF. Hi, Geraldine. Hello, Alan. Lovely to speak to you. Thanks for joining us. Can we start by asking for those people who are unaware of what the charity does a little bit about the history and the background of the Disability Foundation? Of course. We are a registered charity and um, we actually launched in 1998. That's a long time ago. So we've been going for a long, long time. Um, We provide complementary therapy services to disabled people, to anyone suffering from a chronic health issue or a medical condition, as well as those involved in their care, including NHS staff. Um, At this unthinkable time, we've extended that service, though, to incorporate those who are recovering perhaps from coronavirus, who are key workers, who are NHS staff, and with that in mind, we launched our well-being seminars or well-being webinars, which I'm sure you're going to ask me about. I am indeed, yeah. So, so normally, before COVID was a thing, um, you were based in the Louis Fleischmann building at the back of the hospital, weren't you? And, and you provide amazing services, which myself, I've taken advantage of it as well. Um, so talk us through some of the different um, holistic therapies that are available you're absolutely right. We were in the, in the Louis Fleischmann building. I believe that is now a COVID testing center. So for the time being, yeah. um, we are working remotely or virtually. The therapies that we did offer at the time included things like remedial massage, therapeutic massage, aromatherapy, acupuncture. We offered reflexology, we did Indian head massage, osteopathy, acupuncture, craniosacral therapy, yoga therapy, chiropathy, hypnotherapy, to name but a few. Wow, amazing range of services and (laughs) and great facility as well that you've had down there. But obviously the the last few months must have been such a tough time for you all individually and as a charity. So, So how have you been coping the last few months? It has been hard. It really has. I think we were all shocked way back in March when um, coronavirus struck the UK and we were all furloughed. And in fact, we have been furloughed ever since. 
I know that our trustees and CEO have been working really, really hard to find a way forward for us. And part of the reason that I'm speaking to you today is to say we're here, TDF is alive, we're well, we're just not physically there, but we're alive and well in other ways. Let's talk about this newly launched Wellbeing Hub, which is really exciting. So can you tell us a bit more about how it came about and, and how it was funded? Um, Ellen, we had to take a long look at what facilities we had available. And because we didn't have um, a physical building, I know that everybody's been working hard to decide how we can take the charity forward. And we've got some fabulous ideas in mind. Um, one of the things that has already launched, as you say, are these well-being webinars. And they launched because of coronavirus and because we were worried about the mental health and general well-being of the population and thinking, well, what can we do to make a difference? We have all these incredible therapists with their specialist disciplines. What can we do to make a difference to the community? And um, that's how the webinars came about. And we have a variety of different virtual um, uh, sessions that we offer during the week um, for 30 minutes. And we have had, it's had a great, it's had great success. We've only been going, I think, four weeks, five weeks. But it's been really, really interesting to see how many people have logged on. Now, a lot of us become very um, used to these webinars in recent months, perhaps more than we ever have done previously. Um, but for those people who are still unfamiliar with how webinars work, can you tell us a little bit about how, how it works and, and what facilities you need to, to dial into these? You're absolutely right. Um, we are facing um, new challenges, but also exciting times. And yes, you're right. There have been many, many webinars that people are offering online where you can dial into. Well, the first thing I want to say is that if you dial into one of our webinars, they are for free and you need to go into our website. Um, is one option, which is www.tdf.org.uk, where um, there will be a link to um, the webinars. And if not, you can also email therapy support at tdf.org.uk um, where there is a link. The links do change. I think they're changing them at the moment weekly, but we're also learning as we go along. I think initially our link was going to be forever, and now we realize that we need to change the link, and so far we're changing that every week. Um, and the other way to go into us, so I've told you about the website, I've told you about our therapy support email. Um, we're not on the phone at the moment. And um, those, in fact, when I think back, those are probably the two best ways to access the current link. And then from there, you'll be on our email list or on our database, and you will automatically receive a new link every time it's updated. That sounds brilliant. So with a, web, with a webinar, for anyone who's still unfamiliar with it, it's something that you can watch. Do you take part in it as well, or is it just literally something that you can sort of sit back home and, and sort of watch without being worried about everyone watching you back in return? That's an excellent question because people do worry 
that if they log on to a live, and it is a live webinar, mm. um, that I can see you or the therapist can see you, and that's not the, the mission of this webinar. Um, we, you do dial in. It is live. The therapist cannot see who they are speaking to. Um, you are involved if you want to be. You need to go at your own pace. You need to listen to what you want to. You can log in and out as you wish. And the, ther the, the sessions will be recorded and later incorporated onto um, an, uh, a link on our website. But it is up to you. We hope you will participate and we hope you'll learn and grow just as we are. We as um, staff are logging in ourselves just to keep up to date with what's happening and getting some really valuable tips from the therapists who have helped us launch the site. And it must have been quite a challenge to work out which sort of therapies work well online and which ones clearly don't, because I guess there are some therapies which are very much hands-on, which are, which are much more difficult to translate into a webinar. So, so what therapies are you doing online at the moment? Another excellent question, and you're absolutely right. So right now we have um, one of our therapists who's offering self-care, and um, it's a she, and from her I've learned about uh, the muscles in my neck, and I've been able to stretch out and learn some new techniques. We're offering Pilates sessions. We're offering seated exercise sessions, a little bit of yoga. Um, some of our therapists are offering relaxation, breathing techniques. Great one at this time because mm. you're able to learn how to calm down, how to be stress-free, how to um, look after yourself. Uh, meditation, mindfulness, to name but a few. That sounds brilliant. Now, the one that you're particularly involved in is uh, yoga and Pilates. That's right, isn't it? So can you yes, tell us a bit more about currently yours? Currently, I'm taking the Pilates yoga seated exercise sessions. And for anyone who's not tried that before, how, how would you sell it? For someone like me who has never really... Well, I've actually tried a bit of Pilates because uh, Emma's talked me into it. But uh, can, you, can you sort of <laughs> sell it to people who haven't um, tried it before? Well, we look forward to welcoming you. Come, come join us. <laughs> I might do that. Um, very briefly, Pilates looks at your alignment, your posture, and um, we do quite a lot of exercises with stretching, with breathing, with your um, posture, with uh, straight spine, looking a lot at the spine, at the health of the spine, and hopefully at the end of the session having a happier spine and being able to stretch that little bit more than when you began. Mm, that sounds good. Definitely one I should be signing up to. <laughs> now, are you um, also looking at planning to do sort of one-to-one -one online therapy sessions as well? Absolutely. How did you know? Well. We want, we've, <laughs> we've just launched the webinars, and that, that will attract hopefully um, a group of participants, and hopefully those participants will grow and grow and grow. But, yes, that is next. In line, we want to offer one-to-one -one therapies online with participants or clients um, because our centre is not operative or open to the public at the moment. And obviously, up until, again, the start of lockdown, you did a lot of one-to-one -one support with patients at the RNOH. So have you still got a means of being able to kind of work with patients on a one-to-one -one basis via online systems as well 
Yeah, these are these aren't easy times. We are thinking of being able to offer one-to-ones, albeit at a client's house, although we haven't thought that through fully at the moment. I know that we're also looking at different premises with open windows that are COVID-friendly or COVID-acceptable, and um, hopefully that will launch soon, and we will be able to offer physical one-to-ones as well and try and bring back some sense of normality Mm. to the charity um, just as we were before and to welcome back our hundreds and hundreds of clients who I'm sure are missing us as much as we are missing them. Definitely. So I guess the biggest challenge is going to be for you as, as many as so many other charities out there, how, how your funding is working at the moment. So for anyone listening who really wants to support the charity in any way, what's the best way they can support you? It's another good question, Alan. Um, we, we're only able to launch these webinars and consider the one-to-ones both virtually and in a on-premises because we've been able to access a tiny little bit of funding which um, will hopefully grow because of donations and um, what we are we are a not-for-profit so what we suggest that anybody who's interested or would like to help us to go onto our website and I repeat it's www.tdf.org.uk there is a virgin money icon on the page and if you press that you'll see the donate button and people have been kind and generous so hopefully that will keep us going I really hope so and I look forward to the day where hopefully we can see you all back on site again doing your great work within the hospital so um, so fingers crossed that won't be too far away Geraldine, thank you so much for joining us here on Radio Broccoli again and uh, for the great work that you're doing with the charity. Our pleasure.
That's a brilliant Rose Ford there and a track called Lemon Balm, which was performed exclusively for Radio Broccoli as part of the Alpha Sessions programme. Uh, you can find out more by logging on to the Radio Broccoli website, radiobroccoli.org, or you can go to YouTube, search for Alpha Sessions and watch the whole session and interview in full. Well, this is Radio Broccoli and it is Broccoli News, which for the last 10 years has been bringing you the very latest on what's happening in and around the hospital. And don't forget, you can find out more via all of our social medias as well. We're on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. And you can also find us on the website at radiobroccoli.org. Now, before we heard from Rose Ford, we heard from Geraldine Gower from the Disability Foundation, one of the charities that we've been heavily involved with over the last 10 years on the Broccoli News programme. Now, back in 2015, they did a regular feature for Broccoli News called Therapy of the Month. So let's revisit one of those now. And our reporter Sue Weston caught up with David Godfrey. So today, David, what is the Therapy of the Month this month? Therapy of the Month this month is massage, but massage taken on its own doesn't sound very much but there are variations in the massage that we do or that we have on offer at TDF Um, put very simply massage can be a full body massage it can be head neck and shoulder massage so it depends on what the client actually brings to TDF it is a method of actually helping to release muscle tension and obviously because we use oils the client has to remove clothing to do it but it is all done very professionally but massage on its own um we can take it in various different ways we do we offer sports massage which is for specific injuries obviously Mm -hmm. we offer what is called clinical massage which is again working on particular problems that a client may bring for argument's sake they may come to us with frozen shoulder so a lot of the work that we do in the massage we focused on helping to release that shoulder and improve movement with it Um, we also have within that massage aromatherapy massage because the aromatherapy is used in the power of the essential oils to actually work on the body so when a client comes in for massage they will either have a full hour or half an hour most of the treatments are based upon the hour process because within that hour you can do a full body massage it will help the key thing is that it will help to relax the individual down if they come with a specific problem as i said such as frozen shoulder or they have had been into royal national orthopedic hospital and had a back operation and they've got problems with the back we can actually work on that and work around it the whole concept of the massage is it's called holistic massage because it works on the whole person so just because a person will come in with one particular problem it's obviously going to have a knock-on effect on other parts of the body so you don't just deal with that single problem you actually work the whole body accordingly Um, interestingly enough when you look at massage massage came out of physiotherapy and in the 1880s the physiotherapists who are now decided they didn't want to be called masseurs because of the connotation that was added to it so they actually formed the 
um, Society of Physiotherapists. What we tend to find now is a lot of physiotherapists, unfortunately, it's based on mechanical massage as opposed to hands-on. With massage, it is a hands-on therapy. Um, throughout the therapy, one is actually constantly reading what the body is telling you through the hands, also what the client themselves is feeling. And the whole purpose is to actually help again the client to help themselves with it. The oil selected are selected for that client, so it would require it requires, as with all the therapies, a very detailed consultation. Because if there's anything that the client may be allergic to, obviously they can't be used. So we have to take into account everything that the client presents to us to be able to carry out that massage. And when do you have that in depth? That's your very first meeting, yes. um, which adds another 15 minutes plus onto the treatment time because before we carry out any treatment everybody has to undergo that full consultation. So David if I was to come in for a full body massage what would I expect to happen during that session? During that session you would be asked to undress, cover yourself with the towels, lay face up on the couch normally and the therapist would actually start on the right hand side of your body they would start with your arms so in a full body massage it, you, we work on the arms the neck the shoulders if the client wishes to have their abdomen massaged you can have your abdomen massaged and then both legs what we then do so that first part of the massage takes a full 30 minutes we then get you to turn over lay face down and we start on the feet and work all the way up and finish on the back. The idea being you're, what you're doing is you're actually following blood flow through the body. So by starting on the right-hand side, that's taking deoxygenated blood to the heart and helping to improve your circulation all the time. But all the time that you're having that massage, you are kept covered with a towel the only part of you that's exposed is the part that has actually been worked upon david godfrey speaking to sue weston there back in 2015 and as you heard from geraldine earlier on in the program david is one of those hosting those webinars which are now underway thanks to the disability foundation so go to the website tdf.org.uk if you want to find out more about that Right, let's finish up then with another look back over the last 10 years of Broccoli News. And now we're heading back to 2014 and a quite fantastic event that we covered for three years in a row in aid of the Ellis Harriet Clark Foundation. Now, they did a 50-mile charity bike ride along the streets of Hertfordshire and we went along to find out more about it. It's just before 7.30am on a bright, sunny spring morning in uh, Hartford. We're... uh, in a field just outside the town centre, a place called Goldings, and it's the start of the 50-mile charity bike ride in aid of the EHC charity. That's uh, Ellis Harriet Clark. Ellis uh, was a young lady um, who was a patient at the RNOH and was particularly helped by the SCAT charity and the SCAT charity is one of the uh, organisations that will benefit from funds raised here today. 
the race goes off in uh, relays between uh, 7.30 and 9.30, so you can uh, imagine the number of riders involved. We'll find out a bit more about that later, but uh, let's just go over to the start now and, and see and listen to the uh, first group of riders going off. Don't forget, stopped 14, 28 and 36 miles. Three, two, one, away you go. Please ride safely. Enjoy. OK, I've, I've grabbed a young man here. What's your name? Uh, James. James, you uh, seem to be helping out with the organisation here. Yes, yeah, I've been helping for the last couple of months to put this one together and uh, it's nice to see it all all here this morning, so fantastic. What what can you tell me about the EHC charity? Um, the Ellis, Hark, Ellis Harriet Clark Foundation was set up a few years back by um, Ellis's sister, Billy. Um, so along with some of her friends, including me, there's a sort of a, a, t- a small team of us who fundraise for Skeletal Cancer Action Trust and Teenage uh, Cancer Trust. Um, so we've held balls, we've run marathons, and now we seem to have found a niche with our 50-mile uh, cycle ride through Hertfordshire. Is this the second one you've done, am I right in saying? That's right, yes. So we're back. We had 500 riders last year and uh, more knocking on our door, although our licence only allowed for 500. So we've improved it and, and grown it this year, and we have um, something like 800 riders out today. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. So from what you're saying, this is going to turn into an annual event now? I would love it to, yes. Um, it takes a lot of work from the team and it'll probably take some convincing at the pub tonight, but I'll, I'll hope to see them all back out next year. Yeah. When Ellis first went into hospital, um, we were in an older hospital and we got moved um, during her second round of chemo to um, UCLH, which right. is a um, brand new hospital, one of the University best, College. Yeah, it was yeah. one of the first TCT wards um, to be built and it is it makes kids' lives so much better. It's got things like Wi-Fi, flat screen TVs. Brilliant. They have special tutors coming in, helping them with their schoolwork. And most importantly, um, what Teenage Cancer Trust recognises is that kids were either in children's wards, so they could range from you know 2 years old to 13 years old, or they were with the adults, so you'd have 14-year-olds in with you know, 56, 80-year-olds yeah, suffering yeah, cancer. Yeah. And actually they couldn't relate to the other patients in their ward, and it's really important for them not to feel like they're alone, so for them to feel like they're not the only ones going through that. Um, and so Ke- Teenage Cancer Trust have done a brilliant job of actually making wards specifically for teenagers so that they can be amongst their peers and not feel so alone and also organising events like you know taking them to Disneyland organising you know Teenage Cancer Trust do massive events in the Royal Albert Hall with you know pop stars and things that teenagers are interested in Um, so you know we really appreciated their support when we were going through it so um, half the money goes to them and half the money goes to SCAT Skeletal Cancer Action Trust because Ellis had bone cancer Um, so that's particularly close to our hearts as well you are the chief fundraiser. I am the fundraiser. <laughs> you see, I always thought that fundraisers sat in their office and wrote to people and said, please send us money, would you mind doing this, would you mind doing that? But uh, I find you today on a roundabout in the middle of the A10 in Hertfordshire. Yeah. What, what are you doing out here? Well, this is a rare pleasure to be out here exposing my limbs and stretching them, but it is really a privilege to be part of a fundraising activity. As you say, spend a lot of time behind the desk, and it's lovely to be out here with people who are doing it because this is essentially what it's all about. People raise money, people want to give, and we need, we need the fundraisers to access that. So mm. it's a great day, fantastic. 
And you're one of two charities, aren't you, that benefit from this bike ride? That's right, SCAT and Teenage Cancer Trust, both of whom were very dear to the Clark family during Ellis's illness. Uh, Did you know Ellis yourself personally? I did indeed. She was a super girl, very brave, full of spirit. Um, What can I say? Always smiling, always lively, always positive an amazing girl and she touched everybody who looked after her in the same way. Oh, the wonderful Trish McKenzie there speaking to us back in 2014 as uh, she was then the chief fundraiser at the uh, Skeletal Cancer Trust. Of course, since then, Sarah Wright has taken over. In fact, we met her at that very event and she now has a regular programme here on Radio Broccoli. And don't forget to go to the website radiobroccoli.org to find out more. We'll be listening back to more highlights over the last 10 years on Broccoli News over the coming weeks. But don't forget, if you want to find out more about what we do, you can head to the website or you can go to all the social media sites, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, we're on there and we'll have regular updates for you. Broccoli News returns soon, but from me, Alan Joyce, goodbye.